Hello. Greetings. Greetings to you all in the name of Jesus. Um, I suppose for me, this feels a little bit more like delivering a letter than giving a talk because I haven't got the joy of your faces and eye contact and seeing you. But we are here as a community. I know that some of you are watching um, now or might be watching later. So greetings. And I'm sure you, like me, this week have experienced great waves of emotion with all the dramatic changes that have happened in just this week. And I was given this verse to speak on a while ago. I've been pondering it for a while, since before all this coronavirus stuff happened. And I have changed it a bit this week, but actually the structure of it is the same. And that's reassured me so much that amidst all our uncertainty, all the unpredictability of life, that God's word is secure and it's on which we stand. I was reminded of the verse that says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So it does feel like a great privilege and a great responsibility to be speaking to you today from God's word, truths that I hope will encourage and inspire us. Um, and God cares for us and he loves us, and, and that is a truth on which we stand. Um, but the verse that I'm speaking on is actually a very challenging verse, and the words are not easy words. You know, I could have a great desire to speak words of comfort and reassurance over you, but, but that's not what this is verse is teaching. But somehow it feels more relevant and more urgent than ever that we, we take hold of this message. So the verse is one verse from Luke chapter 9. Um, oh, it's not there. Um, but it says, um, oh, sorry, I am going to pray first. That's why the verse isn't there. So I'm just going to read this prayer that you might be able to see on your screens as well. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the provision of the Bible, all the words and promises, comforts, assurances, challenges and rebukes contained within it to help us to live a life of love, to help us to live a life of wisdom and of blessing in the world. Help me today as I speak from your word and help all of us to have open hearts, open minds, ready spirits to receive what you have for us to be willing to be changed by the power of your living word and to respond to the call upon our lives today and in the weeks and months ahead. So the verse that I'm speaking on is from Luke 9, verse 23, and it says, it's Jesus speaking to the disciples, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily and follow me. So it is going to be a three-point sermon, um, but just before I get onto that, I just want us to read a little bit around the verse, so just to put it in context. Um, so just before that, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. So this bit comes immediately before. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He said, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, 
The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Okay, so Luke 9, the whole of the chapter, which we're not going to read, is a really incredible chapter. It contains so many things. It's got healings, it's got the feeding of the 5,000, it's got this prophecy that Jesus gives about his own death, it's got prophecy of the resurrection, it's got opposition to Jesus, and it's got these words about the cost of being a follower of Jesus. So it's a very rich passage. Now, um, when Jesus says... If you want to be my disciple, then you're going to follow me. I'm sure you are all aware that following Jesus is not the same as following Wes or Clive on their new Instagram daily things, which I highly recommend, um, or following somebody on Facebook or Instagram or giving a like. Um, Following Jesus is a whole life choice. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's your daily habits. It's, It's what you choose to think about and how you choose to live. Now, when Jesus said this verse, take up your cross, deny yourselves and and follow me, they did not know that he was going to die on a cross. So we've got a spoiler. We know the end of the story, but the disciples did not know that. I don't think they would have imagined that Jesus was going to be crucified. So he is here saying to them, I'm going to be killed. And he's indicating that he's following a path of suffering but he doesn't, they don't know that he dies on a cross. However, the disciples then would have been used to people um, carrying crosses. So that was a common form of, of punishment, of capital punishment. Um, and they would have known that the cross symbolizes pain, suffering, punishment, and associated with humiliation, shame, and ultimately death. So, so the connotation of the take up the cross would have been one that they would have visibly been able to see people around them. So, point number one, this taking up the cross. Um, So that's some images of the cross there. Number one is, um, we are called to suffering. And we shouldn't be surprised when suffering comes. The cross definitely represented suffering, a physical suffering. Now, suffering in the world, there's all kinds of suffering, and, and we have already started seeing that in a very dramatic way here and globally. So there is the suffering of illness and pain and struggle and and death. And, you know, I was so sad to read this morning about Italy and people dying on their own because people aren't allowed to visit in hospital. That is hard for people, isn't it? And the suffering of people losing jobs and income. The suffering of people in their minds with the anxiety and worry and fear and people struggling with depression and isolation and loneliness at a time when the world seems in such turmoil. We have definitely entered a season of suffering. And it's very important that we acknowledge that. We have a hope, which I'll talk about later, but we are in a time of suffering. Now, when Jesus says, take up your cross, 
the way that I interpret that in part, you know, obviously the cross has such rich meaning for us in so many terms, but, but this attitude to suffering is a thing that I've been thinking about. That as we go into life, daily life, um, and enter this workplace of suffering, that we have this attitude of Jesus, that we don't resent it, we don't have fear in the same way that many people will have fear, and that we bear with it, that we accept that that is part of our lives as Christians, is that there is a path of suffering involved. And I've spoken about this before, but I do think it's very important to say it again today, that the world watches Christians. There's no doubt that people watch us to see how are you going to react in difficult times. And it is so powerful when a Christian is able to bear with suffering in a way that still expresses faith in Jesus, faith in God who loves us and holds all things and is secure. And even with a sense of joy because God is there, because God loves us and because we can trust in that. And so I just want to encourage everybody because there can be a bit of a tension between living a joyful life when there's so much suffering. And it's not a demod, happy, clappy, uh, a superficial happiness. It is a joy of trusting in God that I'm talking about. So the challenge is, can we have this attitude of Jesus in suffering, of willingness, a bearing with it, um, with a trust and a faith in God? So let us recognise that we're called to suffering and we shouldn't be surprised when suffering comes. Now, point number two, and this is the one that I found most challenging as I thought about this from weeks ago, is deny ourselves. Now, that attitude of suffering is the opposite to what the world says. The world says, live as happy a life as possible, be pain-free, um, gain as much as you can, uh, be comfortable, and actually you know, that attitude of actually we shouldn't be surprised at suffering and it's part of life is different from the world. And this message of deny ourselves is also the opposite of what the world says. So the world says, you are really important, you are worth it, indulge yourself, look after yourself, pamper yourself, you deserve it. And Jesus here says, deny yourselves. Now, before I talk about what I think that means on a daily basis... I do also want to say that, of course, we should look after ourselves. I'm not suggesting that we give ourselves out so that we make ourselves ill. Of course, our, our bodies are, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We must honour that and look after them and, of course, exercise and live healthy lives and follow government guidelines on social distancing. I, I want to advocate that. However... This deny ourselves does mean that we are called to a life of selflessness and self-sacrifice in how we look after the people around us. As Mark said about seeing lots of inspiring acts of kindness, and then previously in a message that he sent out last week, he talked about this is not a time for inaction. This is actually a time for more action for Christians. And whatever your situation, so, you know, many of you will be self-isolating and many of you will be worried about spreading the virus and, and many of you will have all sorts of responsibilities in life. Many of you actually work for the NHS and are on the front line. 
whatever our situations, we can, at this time, in this very new season in, in the world's life, we can be actively looking for ways to serve our neighbour. And I actually feel quite excited about what God's going to do through this time, how he's going to use it, how he's going to use the church. I think the church and the people are going to be at the forefront of serving the community, at the forefront of this shining light of good deeds, caring for others, denying ourselves. You know, it does, there is a saying that in a time of crisis, it brings out the best and the worst in people. And I know, I'm sure you, like me, have heard stories, shocking stories of the panic, people buying and being selfish. And we can be absolutely the opposite of that. We can be sharing our toilet paper and sharing our pasta and looking for ways to, to support the, care, the needy and the vulnerable in our communities. Just wanted to tell you a couple of, of brief stories that... Um, I'm sort of holding on to and, and want to exemplify in some way. Um, so many of you will know Sarah Couchman and the Life Project. So that's a um, place where they um, make things and live life with people with learning disabilities, young adults. And they have been talking about small things in 2020. And a few weeks ago, so before all of this, um, they were praying, how can we love our neighbour? God, please show us a way that we can love our neighbour. And Sarah said she was thinking, well, you know, it's quite easy for me to do. I can make meals for my neighbours. I can um, go and knock on their doors. Uh, but she wasn't sure about how these young adults with learning disabilities would be able to do that. Now, they get deliveries from Marks and Spencer when they've got leftover things. Um, they give them to charities, so they've received some things. And um, the next day, after praying this prayer, God show us how we can love our neighbours. The next day, along came a huge delivery of bunches of daffodils that were just emerging, slightly too much to be sold. And so Sarah gave them out, bunches, five or six bunches, to each maker in the Life Project, and they went and knocked on the doors of their neighbours and gave them away. Isn't that amazing? And I think what's amazing about that is the timing of it, that they've established or, you know, initiated those relationships with their neighbours, which now they can build on and, and serve in the community. I've got another friend who works for a Christian charity called Linking Lives. This charity matches up Christians from the church with old, vulnerable, lonely or isolated people. So they had been visiting them. That's now changed to phone calls and delivery of shopping. What's encouraging about this is that MP, the MP and doctors have started referring people to that Christian charity saying, could you get a Christian to help us here? So already there's this shining light of community. I know that here, Mandy and Penny are working very hard to do a similar kind of support network for people who are isolated, lonely and vulnerable. And do email Mandy or Penny if you are able to volunteer, whether that's a phone call a week, a little delivery of shopping on at somebody's doorstep, or something practical that you can do. And Mandy did want me to give a message, actually, to say that if you did email her last week and she hasn't replied, she is on it. She hopes that by the end of next week to have everything organised. Um, so deny ourselves, live life for other people. Let's be sacrificial, let's find of ways that we can speak encouraging words to people. And my last point for today, I just wanted to pick... Oh, let me just read this, actually. Sorry, this, I wanted to read this 
linked into um, denying ourselves. So it's from the message. It's the same verses from Luke, but from the message. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything that you want and to lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all his splendour, in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, you realise, pie in the sky, by and by. Some who have taken their stand here are going to see it happen with their own eyes, the kingdom of God. Okay, and my last point is just picking out this little word, daily. Oh, it's not, there we go. Um, daily. Now, this verse is written in the other Gospels, but Luke is actually the only Gospel where the word daily is in, in it. But I want to focus on this. And the reason I want to focus on this is partly because I do believe that we need God's strength and motivation, encouragement and inspiration on a daily basis. But actually, I want to focus on it because I want to say to us all that the small things are important. One of my favourite quotes from Mother Teresa is, we do no great things, we do small things with great love. And there's a verse in Zechariah that says, who dares despise the day of small things? And you know, when I've thought about Jesus and his various interactions, I can think of lists of interactions where he has, where he is applauding or affirming or wanting us to do the small thing. The most obvious one that comes to mind is anyone who gives a cup of water to the least of these blesses them. A cup of water. When, he, when the ten lepers are healed and they don't come back to say thank you, it's quite a small thing, isn't it, saying thank you, but it's significant. And when he says to the children, don't send the children away. And so I want to encourage you, because I know that for myself this week, I've had a few moments where I've almost felt frozen with the immensity of all the suffering and all the people that I am feeling so strongly for, almost to the point of thinking, what can I do to save the world? And we can feel a sense of helplessness in light of huge suffering, can't we? But I want to say to you that the small things matter. That phone call to somebody who lives on their own and can't come out and see people is significant and it's important. Just giving a packet of pasta to somebody is significant and important. Uh, so don't despise the small things. Now, in my preparation for this, this week, just the last few days when everything's turned upside down so dramatically, um, I was reading about Spurgeon. So Spurgeon was a preacher um, and a, a pastor um, and a theologian. And he was in London during the cholera outbreak in 1854. And he says, during... Oh, is that... I don't know what that is. 
Um, he says, during that outbreak of cholera, though I had many engagements in the country, I gave them up that I might remain in London to visit the sick and the dying. I felt that it was my duty to be on the spot in such a time of disease and death and sorrow. So that's what he did. He visited the sick and the, and the dying and his ministry changed from not so much preaching to more visiting people. Now, he had an experience during that time that we might call burnout. Um, so I'll just read his diary entry from that time. He says, at first, have you got it there on the screen? At first, I gave myself up with youthful ardour to the visitation of the sick and was sent out from all corners of the district by persons of all ranks and religions. But soon, I became weary in body and sick at heart. My friends seemed to be falling one by one, and I felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear, and I was ready to sink under it. Now, Spurgeon there is describing being discouraged, being fearful, and perhaps starting to get ill. And um, I think that danger is a reality for some people. And, and, you know, I feel extremely conscious, as I'm sure everybody listening to this does, of NHS workers. Um, anybody who's going into the hospital or serving the sick and uh, being prepared to, to look after people who've got coronavirus are entering what is being termed, understandably, um, a war zone. I know I saw something on the news this morning where a nurse said, it feels like we're in the trenches. And they are putting their lives at risk in order to do this. And we must look after our NHS workers and we must pray for them and the Christians as they go in to be armed with God's um, strength and confidence and faith. And I've also been thinking about Mandy and Penny as they bring together an army of Christian volunteers ready to support people in, in the community of Western. And burnout could well be a danger for some people. And so we must encourage them. But I, I do just want to encourage you because Spurgeon goes on in his diary um, to say this. So what happened was he was walking around feeling this sense and then he happened to see in somebody's window this verse. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He goes on to say, the effect on my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil and I suffered no harm. The providence which moved the tradesman to place those verses in his window, I gratefully acknowledge. And in the remembrance of its marvellous power, I adore the Lord my God. Now, Spurgeon is not saying that Christians won't get sick or die. But if Christians do get sick and die, they don't have anything to fear because actually we gain by death because we get to meet God. Um, so he also was a great advocate of cleanliness and he promoted that heavily in his writings and he was following science and government advice. Um, so as we minister in whatever way we are able to people around us at this time, 
following government advice, being wise and sensible. Um, let us draw strength from God and God's presence with us and God's word. I found it particularly interesting that he'd seen the verses in a window. Some of you might have seen that the Church of England has declared a day of prayer today. And one of the things that they're encouraging people to do is that at 7pm to put a candle in your window to show that Jesus is the light and the life of the world. And I encourage you to do that as well. I know some of you are also making rainbows with children to place in windows, which is also a sign of God's love and promise over the earth. I just want to finish because I, uh, with um, a slightly different direction, um, but very linked. I feel conscious that we are swamped by the situation, that our minds are buzzing and we are so full of the dramatic change that has come. Um, but I don't want us to get narrow and insulated and, and uh, just too caught up in, in the... In, in Bath even. Um, and I've been in touch with Steffi um, from Malawi, who's actually flying back. And remembering that in Malawi, one of the things that they're doing might come across as being quite small. So here's some photos of people planting drought-free crops. Quite small things, but significant. Um, another photo that she sent me yesterday was of people making fertiliser themselves out of their own resources to put on their crops. And the last photo of people building a stone wall to prevent from floods. And she was saying, well, if coronavirus hits there, actually many people will starve. And we don't, I don't think we're at that risk here, certainly not at the moment. Um, and so I do want to encourage you as well to keep, continue the support and the prayers, the money and as much as you can, your interest in all our mission work that we do all around the world. Let's not get caught up in what's happening here. There's a whole world of need out there. So do get involved and get your children involved. So just to sum up before Rachel comes and leads some prayers. So number one, don't be surprised at suffering. Take up your cross. Number two, deny ourselves. Let's live self-sacrificial, selfless lives, looking for how we can serve everybody around us. And the last one, daily. Let's draw strength from God daily and let us not despise the little things. God bless you all. <laughs>